Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Another big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He did the heavy lifting on editing this episode, and I greatly appreciate his help. You can learn more about his work at IdealVideoStrategies.com. And as you know, this episode is part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. So, go check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb. Both of those podcasts are outstanding. And don't forget to join Eric, Will, and myself on the next ADHD Rewired Q&A. It will take place Tuesday, January 14th, online. So no matter where you are, you can join us. Go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. And finally, the next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups will launch on Monday, March 16th of 2020. And it will run on Mondays and Wednesdays for eight weeks. If you're interested in joining, go to www.adhdessentials.com slash parentgroups or email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. I've already begun the pre-registration cycle and have heard from a number of you. Registration will close on Monday, February 3rd. Today, we're talking to Dr. Carolyn Lynch Parcells. Carolyn is a pediatrician based in Texas and a mother with ADHD. In addition to her work as a doctor, she speaks with parent, student, and professional audiences on subjects including parenting, ADHD, depression, anxiety, adolescent development, and preparing for college. In today's episode, Carolyn shares her personal story about navigating school, balancing her career with her growing family, and doing it all with ADHD. We discuss the power of accommodations, feeling like you're not parenting at the level you're supposed to, prioritizing your choices based on wants, needs, and values, and the importance of looking at the positive side of ADHD. All right, let's get rolling. I'm Dr. Carolyn Lynch Parcells. I'm a board-certified pediatrician. I practice adolescent medicine, which means I take care of kids ages about 10 to 25. I take care of a lot of kids who have ADHD. I also have ADHD myself. And as a result, I'm obviously an adult and a mom living with ADHD. There's so many directions to go in this because we can talk about ADHD you're a person with ADHD who became a doctor, which is no small feat. And I know a little bit about that educational story because we've become conference buddies every time the ADHD conference comes around. <laughs> so yeah, so let's start with the educational side of things and, and, and that story about sort of what helped you get through school. So I was diagnosed with ADHD and a learning disability actually as well when I was a junior, towards the end of my junior year of high school. And honestly, I was kind of lucky that I even got diagnosed at that point because, of course, back then we just, you know, we didn't know, right? And I had struggled 
but had done well. I'd gotten good grades at quite an expense to my mental health, (laughs) but I did. Honestly, the reason I was able to get diagnosed that young is because my younger brother also had similar struggles and they were having him diagnosed. And as they were going through that process with him, they realized, oh, (laughs) that's what's going on with her. That's why we've had to read her summer reading books aloud to her every summer. Uh, That's why we've had to advocate for her, all of those kinds of things. So I was diagnosed at that point. And of course, being 17, I knew everything and I refused medication. I refused a lot of the assistance offered to me other than some accommodations, including extended time on tests. Honestly, when I realized, okay, I guess I actually do have a problem or a challenge or however you want to phrase it, was when I retook the SATs and the SAT two subject tests, because I had already taken those. I thought I had done okay on the SATs. I had not done very well on the SAT two subject tests. And I retook them with accommodations and kind of blew my own mind. And was like, wait, I'm sorry, what was that? What was my score? I can do that? And I didn't, I wasn't a kid who thought, you know, I didn't think I was stupid. I didn't think I was lazy, but I still didn't, have a realistic idea as to what I could accomplish, even though my parents, God bless them, had always told me all they expected was my best. They happened to know that my best was a lot. Honestly, one of the big things they also gave me and I've carried forward with my own kids and and my patients is everybody has something. This is your something. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation. We figure out how to deal with it and we move forward. So When I went, interestingly, then when I went to college, this was the first time in my life that from the very beginning, kind of my experience in that institution, I had accommodations. And I actually had to meet with the learning specialist at the college because I was getting accommodations. And my previous experience with learning specialists, to be perfectly honest, was not great. And so I wasn't really looking forward to it. And I went and sat down with this woman and she said, well, you know, talk to me about how you study and how you do things. I said, well, I do everything wrong. She was like, well, what do you mean you do everything wrong? I was like, well, you know, I, I, when I highlight, I highlight everything, but, and the, and, but, you know, my notes are horrible and da, 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 da. She looked me in the face and she said, Carrie, you graduated from the Hockaday school in Dallas and you're at Davidson college. Tell me again, why, what you're doing is wrong. (laughs) And I went, This is the first time in my life that somebody in an educational environment, someone other than my parents, had looked at me and told me it wasn't wrong. That what I was doing were things that I had figured out helped me to compensate without realizing that that's what I was doing. And she went on to explain to me that the reason I highlighted the way I did was because I have a difficulty with tracking. Um, That's part of my learning disability. And the highlighting helped me do that. But also because with the attention issues, highlighting kept me actively engaged in the reading process. And she said, well, when you're done, do you remember what you read when you do it that way? I said, yeah. She goes, do you have to go back and restudy those passages after that? I go, well, no. She's like, okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really, it was really amazing to kind of get that affirmation and to basically be told, look, you know, I'm here to help you if you need help, but if what you're, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I had extended time, luckily, throughout college, and that was a huge help. While it was really hard to be ADHD and to be asked to be to sit there for even longer, 
um, and focus for even longer, it did allow me to, to do better. And I actually did better in college than I had in high school, I think largely because of that. And then as a result, I also had accommodations on the MCAT, which is the entrance exam for medical school, which was huge. And that was absolutely critical, I think, in helping me to do as well as I needed to and to be able to show myself as well as everyone else what I could actually do, what I could actually accomplish. My parents never doubted me. I doubted me. Teachers doubted me. (laughs) I also had some amazing teachers, though, who didn't and really supported me and really pushed me forward both when I was younger and in high school and in college. And then when I entered med school, I got to say again, I think I was really lucky in a lot of ways. I went to Baylor College of Medicine and even back then they were fairly progressive in the way they taught medicine to everybody, but in the way they viewed learning issues and ADHD, there was no issue with getting accommodations. And so again, I continue to have extended time. I tended to keep it somewhat to myself because I was worried about how people were going to view that, how my peers were going to view it, as well as how some of my professors were going to view it. But I still remember actually one situation in particular that was just, it could have been really bad, but it was really great. I had a radiology professor who I went up to him after class and just let him know we had a, we had a test coming up. And I said, you know, just so you know, I get extended time on tests and this is kind of the situation. And he looked me straight in the face and was like, well, just so you know, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with it. And nah. And I, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure my memory is sort of maybe uh, giving me a Wonder Woman complex on this one, but if I remember correctly, uh, I looked him straight in the face and I said, well, that's fine, but it's federal law. And then I proceeded to walk straight from that little chat into the dean, one of the dean's offices. And I told her what happened. And she looked me in the face and said, thank you so much for letting me know. It will be taken care of. Mic drop. Awesome. Right? And this was a long time ago. I'd rather not say how long ago. <laughs> It wasn't that long ago. We're about the same age. <laughs> it was a long time ago, dude. I don't want it to be. <laughs> so I want to circle back to your perspective of yourself when you were in high school, right? Because you didn't have a lot of confidence from what you're saying. You didn't really believe in yourself. And part of what I want my listeners to get out of this interview is that I am talking to a doctor with ADHD. So your kids can figure it out um, with your help and support. Also, you are one of the most driven people I know. For better or for worse. Yeah. And so that drive, part of what creates that, I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is that struggle. And then getting to the other side of it and being like, holy cow, I can do all, I got through all of this without getting any help, without getting any accommodations, without allowing my brain to work the way my brain works. Now, if I just lean into my brain and ask for help when I need it, what does that mean? How far can I go? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's a great question. And let me back up a little bit. I think, so part of that, you're right. I am driven and sometimes it's, it's to a fault. And I do think a lot of that came from the support that I got from my parents and my family as a whole even though they didn't know exactly what to call it, they always encouraged me to be me. They always supported me in that. They always advocated for me. They 
didn't let me get away with stuff, but they always had my back and I knew that. And so I actually did have pretty good self-esteem. Some of it was, I just didn't realize I went to a very rigorous private school. And so I was surrounded by a lot of people who were very driven and who were gifted and all of this. Mm -hmm. So I kind of considered myself in the average range of there. And I had good self-esteem in some ways and in some areas of my life, right? And then not as much in others. Like I did know that I talked too much. I did know that I annoyed people or certain people. I did know that sometimes I had trouble controlling the words that were coming out of my mouth (laughs) Um, and the emotionality with which they came. You know, I knew all of that and I knew, and like I said, academically, I didn't think I was stupid or anything like that. I just didn't think I was, that I was quite at the level that maybe I was. And, but even with that, I never wanted to be anything but a doctor. I knew I was going to be a doctor and I knew that from a very, very young age. And I've always kind of been, well, I think a lot of this came from my parents. I think a lot of it was, well, maybe genetic because my parents were actually the ones who told me to chill out and to, to slow down. And my mom I still remember I came home with a C in fourth grade French and was freaking out. And my mom was like, I'm sorry, the problem is what now? And interestingly, I think that drive, a lot of that drive does come from the ADHD, right? It's, it's that energy level. It's that creativity. It's the fact that our brains don't ever stop. But the other piece of it too is honestly, like interestingly looking back, a lot of it was also the anxiety because I definitely have that component as well. And that anxiety ADHD combo, man, it can help you compensate for the ADHD, but definitely at a cost. And I look back on it and I realized that, yes, I was able to, what I was able to accomplish with having ADHD and a learning disability, but it was not without a cost. It was not without struggling with that anxiety and just kind of that, that internal struggle, right? I like to say that anxiety is the only thing we can burn for fuel and wind up with more of it when we're done. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And I'm totally stealing that, but I promise I will give you credit. Sure. Yeah. It's on a t-shirt. It's literally on a t-shirt. That's fantastic. I need that t-shirt. It's not even my t-shirt. It's Aurora Holtzman's t-shirt. It's unquoted on it, but it's Aurora Holtzman's website or podcast. (laughs) You just blew my mind, man. That is fantastic. That's exact. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. And I do feel like I used that in some ways. And in some ways I used it in a very positive manner. And in some ways, not so much. (laughs) Um, You can ask my mother because she dealt with a lot of it. Bless her heart. And, And honestly, to this day too, right? It's, it's just, I understand it a little bit better. So you become a doctor. At some point you meet some dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you become a mom. How does the ADHD and, and the anxiety for that matter, how is that playing out as a mom and a doctor and a full-grown adult and all that kind of stuff? Honestly, in a lot of ways, I feel like the ADHD is more of a challenge for me now than possibly at any other time in my life. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. You know, when you're younger and it's just you, there were only so many things I had to organize. There were only so many things I had to keep track of. And especially because so much of my youth and young adulthood 
was very focused. I had a singular focus, get through college, get through med school, get through residency, happened to get married in there, but it was still just the two of us. And we were both in med school. We were both in residency, you know, pretty straightforward. And then you add children into the mix. And now those children are getting older and they have activities and they go to two different schools and kids have their own challenges and their own gifts and trying to figure that out. And my husband and I both work and I own my own practice. So now in addition to everything else, I'm a small business owner and it's really hard. (laughs) It is. It's really hard. It's hard to organize. It's hard to keep track of everything. It's hard to have enough hours in the day. And I think the other issue for me personally, and I think a lot of, especially moms and not, not distant on the dads here or anything, but I just think the way we as moms are wired as well as kind of the social pressures on us. I never was ashamed to have ADHD. I was never ashamed to have a learning disability. I'm still not. I wear those things proudly. You know this. (laughs) I've watched that happen. (laughs) I, I wear that badge proudly. I let that freak flag fly. Yep. So it's not shame that I have those things, but the self judgment and the shame that comes along with feeling like you are not parenting or adulting at the level that you feel like you should, or that is expected of you, or that is needed by your children or is needed by your spouse or is able to be accomplished by those around you, right, is really hard. And it's interesting because I think, too, there's some imposter syndrome there, right? Like, I'm a physician who takes care of teenagers and tells other people how to parent their children. Yeah, Okay. A lot easier said than done. Now I do try to be very honest with my patients and I don't sit there and act like I know everything. And I even say to parents, look, I know what I'm asking you to do is hard. And I know it's easier said than done. And I'm not the one that's going home with you to do this. But I also know, I mean, I do, I know how hard it is. And I think parenting is hard no matter what. If you have children with ADHD, it's hard to parent those children. If you're a parent with ADHD, even if your kids don't have ADHD, it's hard to parent. And if you put those two together, which is often the case, because let's face it, this is genetic, everything's just kind of magnified. Don't even get me started on this morning. Now I want to (laughs) know. Mornings? Oh my good googly moogly. Mm, Let's just say the language that needs to be used is not appropriate for your podcast. Mornings are horrible. They're horrible because... I'm not a morning person. I have trouble getting up. I have trouble staying on task so that I can get myself ready. And now I have two little miniature humans that I need to try to get ready who do not have the frontal lobe capacity to do so on their own. And so then I'm bouncing back and forth, trying to keep everybody on track. Nobody's on track, trying to get out the door in a timely fashion, feeling bad that my children eat their breakfast in the car as opposed to at the table like I did because my mother does not have ADHD, although I'm pretty sure we gave it to her. (laughs) Ages over time, bless her heart. You know, shoes. Where are your shoes? Sweet Lord, find your shoes. Why are your shoes not where they're supposed to be? I can't find your shoes. To be fair, I'm not sure where my shoes are. So now everybody's searching for shoes. and yeah, we're late. And we're late a lot. And then I feel bad about that. 
thank goodness their schools don't make me feel bad about that because I know a lot of schools do and ours do not. And I'm very grateful for that. But you know, there's that stuff. There's the, you know, just trying to keep track of the calendar, trying to do all things for all people. And I think, you know, for me personally, it's just kind of my personality, but I do think that goes along with the ADHD too, because we're always having ideas. We want to do everything. Everything sounds awesome. Everything sounds great. I tell people, I don't have a problem saying no because I have boundary issues. I have no problem saying no to things I don't want to do. The problem is I want to do everything. It all sounds awesome. Can I play a little bit? Is that okay? Yes, please. Because I, I'm similar, right? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. That's awesome. And, and one, of the, one of the complicating factors that can come in too is, there, is a spouse, right? Like that happened to me on Saturday. I was like, I had some solid plans. I, like, we're going to do this, this, and this. We got some cool stuff. And then on Saturdays, I go to the dojo at eight o'clock in the morning. The boys show up at like nine fifteen, nine thirty, somewhere in there. I forget exactly when because I have ADHD and time's weird. And so my wife drops them off and I stick around and then I take them home or whatever's going on, right? So the boys, the boys come to the dojo and they're doing their thing. And at the, then it's, we're done and it's time to leave. And all of a sudden, the two of them get this like cranky, grumpy, not so happy looks on their faces. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, mom said we had to get a haircut after the dojo. And they just hate haircuts for whatever reason. And I'm like, oh, that was not part of my math for the day. Right. And part of it is me being the kind of dad that I am. I'm like, well, let's manage the emotional response to this too and make this a little easier. So what if we go out to lunch, right? (laughs) What if we go out to lunch and then get a haircut? Because we have time for that. And so we do. But the lunch place is closed because they're renovating. So they're low on food because they're not restocking. And we waited in the parking lot for like 15 minutes for them to even open. And I was like, now we just lost a ton of time. We have to go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. And now we're over near the mall. And I'm like, we may as well get boots because we need boots. And so now we're going to get like more stuff. And this trip is extending and extending and extending because, of course, they didn't have boots at the first place we went. And the second place we went, the boots were like a billion times more expensive than boots for 10-year-olds need to be. And then we wind up going to like Kohl's or whatever, and they're not that much cheaper than they were at the second place. So apparently, I just don't know how much boots for 10-year-olds should cost. (laughs) But we were supposed to go to like this whole Christmas thing on the common in our town. First year, it's happening. We got friends going that we're supposed to bump into. And my kids are like, Dad, we just want to go home. Like, we don't want to be doing stuff anymore. Yeah. And I messed that up. And that's like a small scale thing. There's also stuff like my guys do Cub Scouts and they do Kempo. That's about all they can really do. Like, they're kind of like full with those two activities. But I want them to do something else because I'm like, yeah, but you could, we could be doing rock climbing or like parkour or something. Like there's other cool stuff that exists in the world. Go sign up for a play because I want you to get the advantages that I didn't get. I want you to be exposed to these things and, and have this community that I, because I played video games when I was a kid. Like I didn't, and I don't even like video games now. It's not like it became a lifelong thing. Right. So I understand the drive to like, I want to do more. I want to do other stuff. Yes. How do you manage that? <laughs> With very little sleep. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's my husband actually said something to me a while ago that 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 I think was very correct and very insightful. So he's a physician, too. He's a surgeon and he's a very busy guy, too. But he's very um, he's not quite all over the place like I am with what he wants to do. He's very focused with it. And I think he's 
in a lot of ways, arguably a lot more content human than I am. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't feel the need to, to kind of be all over the place like I am. But he said, he's like, Carrie, he's like, you can't accomplish all the things that you want to do in three lifetimes. He's like, and I'm saying that as someone who knows that you can actually accomplish about three times is what the usual human can accomplish in one lifetime. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) It's like, I really hate it when he's right. It's like, it's really annoying, like really annoying. It's honestly, it's an ongoing process. And there are still things, there's still projects that I've had in my head that I wanted to do that I either still want to do or I've had to let go. Or honestly, one of the things I'm doing right now is trying to really sit down and really think and really be honest with myself as far as what do I really want? What do I really want right now? One of my mentors said something once to me that I thought was amazing. She said, look, Carrie, she's like, you know, we're told that we can have everything. And she's like, and we can, we just can't have everything all at one time. And she and I were talking about kind of like the work-life balance and being a mom and being a physician and those kinds of things. And so, you know, for example, like I would love to write a book and I would love to do more speaking and I would love to do those things, but I also have two young children and I don't want to miss out on things. I don't want to miss out on their activities. And this last year, I had, I was presenting at a national conference and I was really excited. This was kind of a bucket list to like present at this particular conference. And because you have to commit so far ahead of time to those things, I ended up missing my son's third grade talent show. I don't miss this stuff, right? And that was just killer. And I know it was just one talent show and he was okay with it, but I wasn't. And so trying to prioritize what I really want now, what my family needs, what I need versus what they want and what I want. Another one of my husband's moments of wisdom, we started off talking about this in in terms of material things, but want versus need. And now that's, we've expanded that to really trying to think about that concept when we're talking about really anything, right? What do I want versus what do I need? And same for others. And I think trying to really drill down on what has to happen right now, what can wait, prioritizing, because that's another challenge we have with ADHD, right? Is prioritizing, like to go to the thing that like we want to do right now, but it's not necessarily the thing that needs to be done right now. This is how I prioritize. This is a strategy I've learned and developed over the course of however many years of doing this stuff. I put my wants, needs are a little different because needs are like, need to eat, need to sleep. That's a little bit of a different animal, right? Right. But even that plays into this. But I take my wants and I don't start with my wants. I start with my values. Yes. And so what are my values? And then what are my wants? And lay and do my wants match up with my values? And what value wins when there's two wants that are conflicting? It's usually the values that are conflicting underneath. And that's when I have to figure out which value matters more. And that's where you can't do everything right now comes in, right? Like, like you're valuing your profession, like your professional career and your stature in the industry and in medicine and all that kind of stuff. And you're also valuing your family and your time with them. And so when you have a third grade talent show and you've got a national conference, those two values are conflicting. Yeah. And right now, it hurts more because now is the time to value family more intensely while your kids want to hang out with you. Exactly. 
And later on is when maybe the professional side of stuff gets valued a little bit more because it can be. Yeah. I love that concept. Um, I read using quotation fingers, meaning I listened to because I don't read things. Yeah. Um, But Brene Brown and her book on leadership was mind blowing for me. And, And she brings up that whole point of values. And I really appreciate that what you just said, because I loved that. And I started really trying to think of things in that regard, but I haven't hearing you say this, I actually haven't been doing that when I'm looking at these projects and I'm realizing how important that is. And that brings up another point to me when you asked how I do that. A lot of what I've been benefiting from recently is this, right? Is these conversations. Going to the Chad conference last year for the first time was, the way I describe it to people is soul affirming, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like I learned almost more for myself personally than I even did professionally. But of course, then those personal lessons translate into being able to help my patients better. But it was meeting people like you and Eric and Sharon Celine and, you know, all these folks. And, and actually, Dr. Celine, she's one, she and I have talked a lot about this because I joke that, that I want to be Sharon when I grow up. Um, <laughs> And she's one of the ones that's actually really been a great mentor in sitting me down and saying, okay, look, you can do these things. She's like, but my kids are grown. You still have young kids. Again, realizing that I don't have to do it all at one time, even though the way my brain works, it's like, must do it all now. And I think, I think the other piece of that is I think some of that's my brain and some of that's just who I am, but some of that is also cultural. Some of that is also our society, right? Because one of the things I've been, you know, again, trying to think of what is it that actually fits into my values, not what I feel like other people expect of me or want of me. And for some reason, we have this concept of the younger you are when you accomplish it, the more valuable it is or the more impressive it is. And I think that's something that I kind of being in the educational environments I was in, that's actually one of the negatives of that is being surrounded by people who are always pushing and always accomplishing and comparing yourself to that and comparing yourself to those around you as opposed to looking at what is right for you and your family. A couple of thoughts on this one. I tend to get hit a little more when I see entrepreneurs who are like killing it and they're super driven and they're super doing stuff and like, wow, that guy's making so much money or whatever. And a couple of thoughts help me navigate that. One is I'm only seeing what you're letting me see. Exactly. Yeah. There's probably a ton of stuff underneath that sucks that I don't know about. And two, and this is sometimes me vilifying someone in my own head to make my life a little bit easier and navigate the imposter syndrome. And I'm going to own up to that. But my relationship with my kids and my family is phenomenal. It's my top priority. So, and sometimes, yeah, it's third. Like there's times when that happens, but big picture, it's top, including this company, including this business that I run. It's my family wins. And if that means this company does not grow as fast as it otherwise would, then guess what? This company's not growing as fast as it might otherwise because I'm intentionally prioritizing other stuff. Right. And so when I see those crazy successful business people, I'm typically like, yeah, but what's up with your family? Like what's going on there? I'm assuming it's not that great. Right. And then another thought that I've been playing with in the past three or four months that it is, plays a role here too, and it wraps into ADHD as well, is the idea that the first thought we have very often about a subject is the thought of the society and culture that we grew up in. 
and the thought after that is what we really think. And if another thought doesn't come up afterwards, then you probably own it and you're with it and you're there and it's cool. It's just you agree with society. But if another thought comes up, that's probably how you really feel about it. And that initial response is the culture you were raised in, right? That grows out of my work and my the attention I'm paying to like racism and anti-Semitism and all that stuff that's going on right now, where like if you see a black person and you if you're white and you are have a fear response to that because you think they're somehow terrible. And then after that, you're like, that was dumb. Like, it's just some guy. Who do I, what do I care? That's because you grew up in a culture that trained you to think of African-Americans as dangerous people. And you are growing out of that. You're learning and maturing beyond that. But it also applies to what you were just describing around, I should be so successful by now because if I'm younger, then I'm more successful and I'm better. Right. The same kind of a thing. And one of the areas where that becomes challenging is the impulsivity of ADHD. And if we don't intentionally pause and wait, we might not give ourselves time to have the second thought and just respond to that first one that isn't necessarily really what we think. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a really great insight. And that that impulsivity, it does, it comes into play in so many ways that I think a lot of people don't recognize and oftentimes we don't recognize for ourselves and that it can be one of, I think, the biggest challenges it can also be a pretty good gift, too, because mm-hmm. I think that impulsivity is also sometimes where we find our creativity and the actual gumption that we can do whatever that thought was. Right. <laughs> but again, it's got to be measured. No, but that's I, I like that insight. That was that's cool. Thank you. Going back to the mom stuff. Yes. Because we've kind of wandered all over the place a little bit. It just means I'm going to have to have you come back. Oh, yay. (laughs) I like having return guests because I hope my audience gets this like, oh, that person's back. Like my friend. Yay. Yay. And also for me, I'm like, oh, I get to talk to my friend. (laughs) But how does the ADHD, the morning is hard, right? And that drive to do do stuff and, and be successful in your career and sometimes that biting you on the family end. How is it adding? What's the good stuff that's coming out of ADHD as it relates to your family and in the home or whatever you're doing with them outside of the home? Thank you for asking that because it is, it's definitely not just a challenge, right? I mean, we, we don't want to ignore the challenges. We don't want to pretend like they're not there, but I'm really big on kind of the, the strengths that are associated with ADHD. I mean, you've heard me talk about how it's my superpower right? That's the analogy I really like to use. And I do think there's some positives to both professionally and as a parent. For one, energy level. I got two boys. Somebody's got to keep up with them, you know? And yeah, I do. I have the, I think the, the energy level, but also the, the creativity um, that comes along with having ADHD, the, the willingness, talking about the impulsivity, right? There's times to lean into that, And sometimes when you're with your kids is not the time, but sometimes it is, you know, when you're playing with them, when they're being silly and we can all just be kind of giant goofballs together. And my husband and I both like, we love to play. We love to go to amusement parks with them and, you know, those kinds of things. I think a lot of that kind of comes out of that as well. The other piece of it too is having been through what I've been through academically, socially, professionally, and having the perspective I have both as just a human with ADHD, but also a physician, 
is being able to hear my kids on a different level, see them, really see them. And I was so lucky that my parents didn't, again, like I said, they didn't have preconceived notions as to who I should be. They supported me in figuring out who I was and pushed me to do that. They just also made sure that I knew that I could accomplish and I could be what I wanted to be. So knowing that I've been able to do that, the the lessons that I've learned and that I continue to learn, being able to be there for my kids on a different level and to teach them those lessons too, and to really listen to them, to really be able to listen to them and see them and try to see them for who they are and try to help guide them through these things. But also, frankly, being honest with them when I continue to struggle. You know, we will definitely have those, shall we say, emotional dysregulation moments with everyone in the house. And, you know, we don't shy away from that. We don't hide it. We don't not apologize. We use those as lessons to be learned. And I'm honest with my kids about my own shortcomings and what the things that I'm working on and how do we all work on this together? How do we help each other? And really just kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, calling a spade a spade, you know? And I do think there's a lot to be said for that. I am grateful that I've gone through what I've gone through, even the challenging pieces, because it's, it's made me who I am. And it's made me not only the physician I am, but the mom that I am. And I know that even though I'm by far not a perfect parent, by any stretch of the means, I am their mom. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm trying to say this. My son, actually, my older one said to me one time, and, you know, we don't always have those parent win moments, you know? Mm-hmm. He said to me, well, there was a couple of times that actually I'm going to switch gears here. There was a moment that he was having a particular struggle or challenge. And I really kind of, I pushed him, but I, I let him know that I knew what was going on. I knew what he was going through, but I also knew that he could do it and we were going to push through it together. And when it was all said and done, he turned around and looked at me and just said, thank you, mom. And I'm you're welcome, baby. I'm not crying, you're crying. (laughs) And you know, I don't know that I would have handled that situation the way I did had I not had the knowledge and experience that I've had. And that includes having gone through the struggles that I've gone through. I think that's really one of the biggest positives. So just being mindful of time, Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Being ADHD, I have a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest one, because we didn't hit on this too, too much, but we started kind of getting there, is is the fact that, yes, well, there's a lot of challenges. And I think it's helpful to know we're not alone in those challenges as adults with ADHD, as parents with ADHD. I think it's also important that we give ourselves some grace and recognize where it is also a gift, where our ADHD is a gift, where our challenges are a gift, where the challenges that our kids may be going through are a gift, and really kind of embrace the strengths that it gives us, embrace the superpower that is our ADHD, 
regardless of what that is for each of us, you know, for me, it's, it's like I said, the energy level, the creativity, I think the empathy that it's given me, but whatever that superpower may be for you, giving yourself the chance to acknowledge that and embrace that and not just focus on how it makes things difficult. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.